Hello everyone and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is Charles in New Jersey and I'm here with a fun episode, I hope, that I'm going to call In Defense of Play. This is going to contain a, a little reference to some science, but mostly it's going to be just some comments about how it's important for both kids and adults to get enough playtime. It's the best way to learn, it's the best way to recharge your mind, and it's probably the, the only way to really get and stick with a learning process where you have to acquire skills, learn facts, and become a different kind of person, I guess. It's hard to stick with the learning process if you have to do it on sheer willpower. But once you find a way to make it fun, you get into a state that people call flow, and you don't mind spending the time or researching something to support having a better time. In fact, I'd call that playing. Now, I've always had trouble paying attention and and sticking with things when I've been in school or in a self-study or some other um, environment where I have to learn something. As long as it's something that someone else wants me to do, I have a lot of trouble uh, staying with it. But if I can turn it into a game or something that I get a payoff from, that I enjoy, I don't have any trouble sticking with that at all. It's like that kid that everyone everyone knows who can't pay attention to anything for more than a few seconds at a time, but you put him in front of Minecraft or some other video game, and suddenly he can concentrate all day long. Well, it's not that way with me with video games, but I have other things that I can that I can do that once I start doing them, I become absorbed and I can just sit back and enjoy them all day long. Now, believe it or not, it's not just my opinion that play is important for for learning and for development of your mind and for probably invigoration of your body as well. There's actually uh, a scientific journal called the Journal of Play. And I put a link to that in the show notes. And one of the contributors to that, um, to that journal, I discovered through just one of those uh, links on Twitter that you, that you follow just because it looks interesting was Peter Gray, and he wrote an article that claimed that children today are suffering from a severe deficit of play. And of course I had to look that up, because who doesn't, who doesn't like playing? You know, we think we could do with a little less seriousness and a little more play in our lives. So I read it, and it made great sense that maybe... We're doing kids a disservice by putting them into regimented 
recreational activities and programs so that their lives are scheduled to the hilt and they can't ever get out for independent play with uh, a group of kids who are of mixed ages and and so on so that they can learn to get along with each other and to develop rules of fair play um, to develop the ability to make allowances for the smaller kids so that they don't get hurt or they don't become frustrated because things become too hard for them and maybe to have informal customs about making things a little bit harder for the older and bigger kids because they have more capability and it's then you know we feel we can challenge them without um, without harming them, but also to give them more of a, of a reason to stick with the playgroup. And these are kid, things that kids negotiate naturally if they're left to themselves, in the absence of bullies and so on. But when I was growing up, we had a a neighborhood where the kids got together and we dealt with bullies by either shunning them or having some of the bigger kids intervene and and driving them off. That seems harder to arrange today. I don't know why. But it, well, I won't go into it because I don't have any answers for that. But all I know is that our, our play groups, we had our, we had our rough spots, but we managed all that stuff without help from any adults except when something got out of hand and and an adult needed to step in. Probably that worked because we were in a context where if we got too far out of line, some adult would see us, identify us, and call our parents. So if we knew that, that against that backdrop, we knew that we were going to get a neighbor dropping a dime on us, we wouldn't get too far out of line anyway. So that probably helped us manage that. So it wasn't as ideal a situation where kids just manage themselves. We knew that we were sort of on a tether because the adults were in cahoots against us if we got out of line. But they were fine and they would let us keep doing what we were doing if we stayed within the, the limits of civilized behavior for the most part. But I'm not so much interested in playing as a child because I'm a bit far away from that and I would be just giving you more idealized memories as I just did. I think it's more important for for me to talk about more more things that are closer to the present. And that would be playing as an adult. Now I have a long commute on a train, so I have a lot of downtime where I'm not actually doing anything structured. I'm not necessarily working. Uh, I can't always be sleeping on the train. And sometimes I would get bored if I didn't have something to do. So I've turned that train time into me time where I might edit my audio for these HPR podcasts. I 
do some writing. I take notes on articles. Yes, with a pen and a pad of paper, because that helps. Uh, things that are generally stuff that I want to do. It's play, if you will. And I find that I do a lot of my informal learning projects while I'm on that commuter train. I also try to schedule some time outside of that where I have some me time where I can just, you know, go to my lab and play with stuff. Like when I start experimenting with other Linux distributions or with different math software that uh, I have to figure out how to how to compile and build and make it work and then find the things that are wrong with it and tinker with them until I can get them, coax them sometimes into getting the right answers. Or at least trying to prove that the answers that they have are wrong so I can call for help. But that may sound like work to you, but to me, that's a kind of fun and it's really a, a form of play. I wouldn't keep doing it if it didn't give me some kind of a fun payoff. When I was a kid, I used to pretend that I was hunting. Um, I say pretend because I'd go out in the woods with my shotgun, but I had such, I had mixed eyesight. I had one eye that's near, extremely nearsighted and one that's normal. So I had really crappy depth perception. So my career in Major League Baseball was probably in danger from the start. And my career as a marksman was probably not going to succeed either because I can't get a good sight picture if I don't have decent depth perception. I was okay at shooting skeet because it was approximate and I would also try to wangle my way into a a shotgun with a medium choke barrel so that I had more of a pattern to hit to hit those things. Um, but I mainly took it as an opportunity to get other people's permission to go and walk in the woods. And I would see animals or try to track them and develop skills in stalking and in orienteering, which is a fancy word for finding my way around without getting lost or too lost. And that was a, that was really a, a form of play. I, uh, I put it into the, the context of hunting because that's what people in my area did at that time up in the wilds of Northern Vermont. So I use that as a form of play. You might be in this, in the, that kind of a position now, if you're in a rural area where you have access to places to, to go hunting, um, you might actually fire your weapon. I don't do that sort of thing and haven't for quite a while. Although I, for the record, I am an NRA safe hunter, um, got that certification. And so I know to watch for what's downrange and all of that, but I haven't touched a, um, firearm in years, but there are some people who really enjoy that and they'll do endless research on how to get cosmoline off the metal and other parts of a, of a uh, rifle that they've collected or something like that. And that's fun for them. I think I would probably 
for one, get a lot of complaints from my wife if I were to start doing that. Um, but also I'm, I'm just not oriented in that direction anymore. But for those who are, you learn a lot by playing with things that present you with problems and you do experiments to try to, to try to get the results you want. And you don't mind spending time because it's fun. I think I did that with programming from the start. You know, when I was first starting out with basic, I would get those David all books, um, and type in the source code to different games and then play with them for a while and then experiment with changing the rules of the game by changing the, changing the code in the program. And then I got involved with experimenting with sort programs. Um, including quicksort, which I've coded in a bunch of different languages, some of which have more or less support for recursion, which is another whole episode in itself. I can hear Ken Fallon go, ka-ching! You owe me a show on that. So I would... I would write that program over and over again in different languages just to see how that language worked. And it would reveal things that I would need to know about using that language in work, whether it was Pascal or, or one of the various basics or quick basic or visual basic or Python. I don't think I haven't done it in Perl, which is not something that I would necessarily want to do in, in Perl anyway, but there's a few other languages that I've, uh, that I've done that program in. And in some occasions I was experimenting and, um, these were in the days when I was single and I'd be programming until four in the morning before I got out to work and not really realized that it had gotten that late or early as it were that I'd worked basically all night on something that no one had assigned me to do. I wasn't going to get paid for. It was just purely for fun. I think another thing that I learned in doing things that other people would call work in a context of having fun is how to stick with something, how to keep my attention focused for a long, for me, an extremely long period of time without stopping, without um, fretting about how hard it is, just keep on plugging at it and coming at it from coming at the task from different directions. It helps if the task is challenging and, and has, and there are obstacles in the way and computers are really good at putting obstacles in the way because they do exactly what you tell them to do instead of what you necessarily want them to do or intend them to do. So computers are a good way to learn how to be, to deal with frustration. But there are other, the real world has plenty of frustrations as well. So don't worry, there'll, there'll be opportunities for play in other contexts as well with real things, uh, things that you have to wire together or weld or solder or screw together or nail together or build with real materials. I tend to do it with computers more because that's pretty portable. And I don't have a lot of time to and space to have a, a big workshop for making stuff. 
but I do like playing. Um, I think it goes back to when I was a kid and I used to do my older brother's math homework because he would do just enough of it to understand what was going on and then he would stop because he didn't need any more drilling on it than, than he did and then I would just pick up and do some of the problems. And it would be interesting to me. Sometimes I didn't have the background to figure it out, so I would just read his book and go ahead and do the problems. And I did it in the context of playing. It was purely voluntary. He didn't make me do it. He probably thought it was pretty stupid that I would even try it because I could be out outside doing something. But it was just fun to realized that I could figure things out for myself. I didn't need teachers or anyone else to order me to figure it out, to lay out all the steps for me. I could just pick up the book, and as long as I was having fun, I could keep at it and really enjoy myself. And that's sort of what I like to do when I'm picking up any new skill today. If someone tells me I have to do something... I feel myself resisting from inside. But if I want to do something, I will look up links on the internet. I will read articles. I'll read things that are only tangentially related to it. I'll get as much information as I can, and then I'll start playing. And sometimes I'm, I, I feel like I'm not ready. I haven't learned enough, but... As I start playing with something, I realize what I don't know, and then I am motivated to learn more, which gives me more ideas about things I can do, and I return to doing, and I might come back to the same point in the project, but when I come back around the second time, it's more like being in a parking garage than in going around a circle. I'm back at the same point on as relative to the ground, but I'm on a different level of understanding because I've gone back and researched it and figured out why I was doing what I was doing and why the things I had tried before didn't work. And I have a better sense of where I am and exactly what's going on so that I can move ahead. And then as I try things again, I realized that when I thought I knew exactly what was going on, I didn't really understand it, so I needed to learn some more things, and it just keeps piling up. And I would do none of this if I wasn't telling myself that, hey, this is fun, and, and I'm really enjoying this, and it's this is playtime. I'm not saying that I should go ahead and and contrive ways to make my work into a game that's that's fun and play. But if that happens, that's a nice coincidence. It would be uh, it'd be a nice thing if I could arrange so that my the things I have to do for my job were also fun to do. Um, and to some degree, it, the things I do at work are fun because I like that kind of thing, kind of the mathematical challenges, the people challenges, the um, trying to get computers and people and things in the real world to do uh, what I'd like them to do. And sometimes you win that and sometimes you don't. 
but it's all it seems like one big one big uh i don't want to say game it's like a big hack it's like okay if i do this and that what effect is that going to have is it going to be fun is it going to get me where i want to go is it going to get the best result that i can possibly get and then afterwards i don't mind taking the time to figure out what went wrong what could i have done better and actually find ways to improve myself and my performance for next time i suppose that makes me that could make me a better worker if i applied that that discipline the discipline of making of playification of work um if i took it that seriously it would feel like i was professionalizing my play and then it wouldn't feel like it was play anymore and i'd say oh i'm just tricking myself so i wouldn't it wouldn't work it would lose its magic but really informal play is where i learn a lot of the things that i learn in fact i think i learned python programming language because my wife asked me to help her out on debugging a python based prototype of some system she was working on for a large company and i didn't know the language so i picked up the python tutorial a few days in advance read up on it started playing with it on my computer and then went in and just played with code and see it, you know tried to see what it was doing and we did get it to work eventually um after an entire weekend of poking at it and she got her job done and i started really liking python i like other programming languages too but that's where i first got introduced to it back in i don't know 2002 so sometimes what someone else considers work if you're open minded you can make it play and get some results that help both of you you can help someone else get their job done and help them get through an obstacle while gaining some new knowledge and skills for yourself so i i've always found that being somewhat generous in helping people has given me opportunities to learn things and to grow as a person and to make myself uh i don't know feel better about myself um become more effective and have another thing i can put on my resume but better yet to put into my task list at work so that more things that if if there are more things on the things i have to do at work that are also fun then you know it makes the it makes the day go by much faster and makes my job much more enjoyable you know if i can make 9 out of 10 things i have to do at work feel like play then i must say that if i can arrange that i've got the best job ever right and that's really coming to the end of what i wanted to say about play sometimes you need to shut off the adult supervision of yourself and just do something fun and if you don't know what's fun just do something and if it's fun keep doing it if it's not fun stop doing it and grab something else or just keep doing it until it becomes fun there are some some skills that you want to learn like 
I don't know, inline skating that you have to stick with long enough to get your, you know, get your balance and first get that feeling of having the skate stay under you while you're moving so that you're really starting to enjoy it. But other things, you can start having fun right away. But I really am a big advocate of having fun, doing things that you love or that you can love. And I think that taking the time to play will ultimately make us all better people. And that's it. I hope that some part of this is helpful to someone somewhere and that you'll have a, a good week. And when the weekend comes, that you will take some time to play. See you next time on Hacker Public Radio. This is Charles in New Jersey saying goodbye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 License.